Jeffrey Epstein is accused of running an underage sex trafficking ring. He's a hedge fund manager who has powerful political connections that include former President Clinton. Epstein is already a registered sex offender, pleading guilty back in 2008 to charges of soliciting and procuring a minor for prostitution. Hello, Sean Atwood here, activist in London. Loads of people on YouTube have demanded that we go to the house of Jelaine Maxwell. So here we are on 44 Kinnerton Street, London, SW1X8ES. Got all this information out of the unredacted black book of Jeffrey Epstein. So there was a court hearing earlier this week and Jelaine did not attend, a lawyer attended. The big question in the world right now is where is Madame Maxwell? So we're gonna knock on the door and see if anyone will come out and give us a response. So it's rang. This is supposed to be the residence where Prince Andrew was filmed in front of the white banister. So if the door gets opened, try and get a shot of the white banister, if you see the white banister behind me. And you saw someone go in earlier, didn't you? And what did that person look like? A blonde woman in her 30s. Okay. Doubt that they want any media attention right now. They're probably calling security as we speak. Let's give it a little knock. So we know somebody's inside, but for obvious reasons, nobody's answering today. <laughs> well, let's go back to the other side of the street. Let's see if this gentleman I met in the pub, we're outside of the Nag's Head, which also is in the Little Black Book of Epstein. And we've got some phone numbers here for the house. Oh, hello. Come over. Yes, we are looking to interview Jelaine Maxwell. Is anyone here by that name? Can you come around this side, James, to get the banister? No, I'm sorry, I'm cleaner. You're the cleaner. Have you got the banister, the white banister? Can you see it's there? Um, do you know when Jelaine will be home? Mm. you got to come around behind me, James, to get the white banister. You can't, um, you don't know when she'll be home. And do you know any way to get in contact with her? No. Okay, and you're just a cleaner then. Yeah. All right, well, thank you very much for your help. Are we allowed to, fil are we allowed to film inside? Uh, no, I don't promise because they don't tell me nothing about this, that's why. Okay, okay. All right, well, thank you very much for your help. Yes, cheers. Did you get the white banister? Yes! <laughs> Congratulations. We now have concrete proof there has been tumultuous speculation on the internet whether this house was or was not the house with the white banister. Now we've come here today, we've had somebody answer the door and it is absolutely confirmed that this is the house with the white banister in the photo behind Prince Andrew that has been circulating widely online. So we do have some other numbers for Jelaine. I'm going to try calling them now on speakerphone and seeing if we can get any responses. Let's see. 
These are from the unredacted little black book of Jeffrey Epstein. 0771423 That's looks like a mobile phone. Oh, that one has definitely been disconnected. So we're going to try another number here. Let me go back to the pad. Oh, seven, seven, eight, five, seven, seven, one, five, five, two. Let's see if we can get any result here. Get it on speaker. So this number is still active, but it's gone through to a messaging service. Yes, we're trying to get a hold of Jelaine Maxwell to do an interview. If you could please call us back on this number, we would appreciate it. Thank you. So to those not familiar with Jelaine, I'll give you a bit more information. So Jelaine was born in December 1961. Youngest child of Robert Maxwell. So when I was growing up, Robert Maxwell, publishing tycoon, he was the big rival with Rupert Murdoch, but he mysteriously died off the Canary Islands, I think, in the boat, the yacht, that he named after his daughter. Just letting this van pass. So after Robert Maxwell's death, Jelaine moved to 1991, and that's when she ended up in a relationship with the financier, Jeffrey Epstein. She founded the Ocean Advocacy Group, the Taramar Project, in 2012. And she did a TED Talk, actually, on her interest in conserving the seas and the oceans. I watched the TED Talk this morning, and she talks about diving to a great amount of depth. And she was hoping to discover some unusual sea life down there but what she found was a coat hanger and she said that incentivized her to put out this charity work for we're seeing somebody coming out of the house now 44 Kinnerton getting secure, securely locked if anyone else comes and goes to the house we will we will get over there very quickly and you will be fully informed of what's going on. As I was saying in the TED talk, this is what she said that she dived right down and found a coat hanger and that motivated her to get out and start saving the seas and the oceans. But as we know, a lot of this was a front, a cover story for the child sex trafficking, child raping because in the statement by Virginia Roberts, Virginia Roberts is saying in court that not only was Maxwell a procurer of underage girls, but also participated in sex acts with Jeffrey and underage girls, with Prince Andrew and underage girls, and with Jean-Luc Brunel, who was the procurer of kids for Epstein out of France. I recently did a video on him, how he procured 12-year-old triplets for Epstein as a birthday gift and they performed oral sex upon him. So these are the levels of depravity. This circle was um, the kind of activity that they were getting up to.
Anyway, back to the early life of Jelaine. So, she was a prominent member of the London social scene in the 1980s. She founded a women's club named after the original Kit Clap Club, was a, a director of the Oxford United Football Club. Now, a lot of the Maxwell kids ended up going to Oxford University. Here in England, Oxford and Cambridge, the two most prestigious universities. She, was, she worked at the European, which was a, a publication of her dad's had started. And according to the Times, in 1986, Ghislaine's father invited her to visit his new yacht in a shipyard in Holland to celebrate its christening in her honour as Lady Ghislaine. And this is the yacht, the boat that Robert Maxwell went to sea on and ended up. His body was discovered in the water. Hello, are you a local person? Are you working around here? Okay, you don't want to be interviewed. Yeah, this is the house right behind me. This is um, his daughter's house. 44. Yeah, where Prince Andrew was filmed uh, with his arm around the underage girl. The cleaner just opened the door and we wanted to see if the actual banister was there, the white banister, and it's, it's, it's right in there. That's the house, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> All right, cheers. So this is the boat that he named in honour of his daughter and this was the boat that his body was found um, at sea. Maxwell was reported to have spent a large amount of time in the late 1980s aboard her father's yacht which was equipped with a jacuzzi, a sauna, a gym and a private disco. So I was recently in Turkey and I saw that yacht, the Flying Fox, cost almost half a billion to make this yacht. And it starts at 400 million, um, is it 400 million? 4 million. 4 million a week, I think it was, to stay on this thing. And I just, when I was looking at the Flying Fox, and I was imagining these are the kind of circles that these girls that were being trafficked by Epstein and Maxwell and Jean-Luc Brunel, I was imagining these are the kinds of circles that they were putting those girls on. I passed an island called Olive Island, and, you know, there's no police there, they're on these yachts, they're away from land. I was just imagining the isolation and the helplessness of some of the victims. So, the Scotsman stated that Robert Maxwell also had tailor-made a New York company for Ghislaine, which focused on corporate gifts and was not profitable. Times reported that Maxwell flew to New York on 5th of November 1990 to deliver an envelope on behalf of Robert Maxwell that, unknown to her, was part of a plot initiated by her father to steal 200 million from Burlitt's shareholders. So Robert Maxwell, he was in the news all the time back then, and as a kid, what I didn't know was that he was a major scam artist, looting pension funds, doing massive financial fraud, and, you know, all this came about and then it was, it was, his body was found at sea. So there's been non-stop uh, mysteries and drama surrounding the Maxwell family. After her father purchased the New York Daily News in January 1991, Ghislaine was sent to New York City to act as his emissary. In May 1991, Maxwell and her father took Concord on business to New York, where he quickly departed for Moscow 
and left her to represent his interests at an event honouring Simon Wiesenthal. So, Robert Maxwell has been tied to various intelligence agencies, Russian intelligence, the Mossad, British intelligence, and many people, including David Icke, believe that those relationships were passed down to his daughter, and Jelaine was engaged in a blackmailing operation by getting these elite people, politicians, business owners, in compromising situations with underage girls. According to the statements of victim Virginia Roberts, she said that Epstein was definitely trying to get power over Andrew, and we believe that the recordings are out there, and the big question, as well as where Ghislaine is right now, is where are these recordings of these elite people that were taken by Epstein on his island, in these residences, and possibly on the Lolita Express as well. In November 1991, Robert Maxwell's body was found floating in the sea near the Canary Islands, and his luxury yacht, Lady Ghislaine, Immediately following his death, Ghislaine flew to Tenerife, where the yacht was stationed to attend to his business paperwork. Though a verdict of death by accidental drowning was recorded, Maxwell has since stated that she believes her father was murdered. So in all these scenarios with Epstein, the hyoid bone was broken in his neck, which is common with him being strangled, not with being hung. The guards that were supposed to be watching him conveniently fell asleep right before the uh, murder went down. And there's just too many coincidences to, for us to believe b that this was an act of suicide. It's absolutely ridiculous. And we see a pattern of this throughout all of these weird deaths. So Ghislaine herself said he did not commit suicide, that was just not consistent with his character, I think he was murdered. After the death he was found to have fraudulently misappropriated the pension assets of Mirror Group newspapers. So here in the UK you've got the Sunday Mirror, you've got the Daily Mirror. These were the tabloids of choice back when I was a kid. Um, it was the Sun and the Mirror were the two uh, main, main tabloids of choice. And this was the company that he ran in which he had a large share of ownership to support its price and was disgraced. There were reportedly over £440 million in the pension fund, which is half a billion US dollars. Just going out of the way of the, let this vehicle by real quick. Which left this, all, this debt then, this half a billion dollars. Oh, we've got one of the neighbours. At 46 Kinnison right now, going in. So this debt left the Maxwell family and the British government liable to 32,000 employees that Robert Maxwell had fleeced. So Ghislaine Maxwell moved to the US in 1991, get away from the heat of all of the situation in this country. She was photographed boarding a Concorde to cross the Atlantic, which caused outrage amidst the pension scandal due to the high flights of the costs on the aircraft. So Ghislaine 
prolific child sex trafficker and rapist. Her charity to save the oceans and to save the seas, she said she wanted to encourage young people to get out there, save the oceans and save the seas. Again, all this stuff is a front when we see these double standards, we see the hypocrisy in the behaviour. She reportedly receives 80,000 annual legacy from a trust set up by her father. In 1992, she had moved to an apartment of an Iranian friend overlooking Central Park. At that time, Maxwell worked as a real estate officer on Madison Avenue and was reported to be socializing with a crowd that included Ivana Trump and Adnan Khashoggi's son. She rose to wider prominence as a New York socialite. So next section is her association with Jeffrey Epstein. So Maxwell first met Epstein in early 1990s at a New York party following a difficult breakup with Count Gianfranco Sicogna of the Siga Hotels clan. Jelaine had a romantic relationship with Epstein for several years in the early 1990s and remained closely associated with him for decades afterwards. So her finances were down, Epstein's finances were up. We believe this money that Epstein had was not from a legitimate purpose. How does a school teacher, a groundsman at a school go to having this multi-million net worth? We believe this money was coming from the child sex trafficking blackmail operation as well as laundering money, drug money, going back to the Iran-Contra scandal, um, cocaine coming in, CIA facilitated, and weapons going back out of the country. We believe he was a huge front for that money and a huge front for Leslie Wexner. It seems that Wexner was just parking some of his cash, small change to him because he's got so much money in Epstein's accounts. The nature of their relationship remains unclear. In a 2009 deposition, several of Epstein's household employees testified that Maxwell had a central role in both his public and private life, referring to her as his main girlfriend, who also handled the hiring, supervising, and firing of staff starting around 1992. And we also know what else she handled, the coordination of children, from all over the world, not just going out and grooming young people who are on the streets of New York, telling them, we've got a guy, I want you to go and do a massage, you'll make two or three hundred dollars. But this massive operation, kids from Eastern Europe, kids from France, people who are poor and desperate, coordinating this operation with Epstein and Jean-Luc Brunel. Jean-Luc Brunel, who has completely disappeared off the face of the earth now, may possibly have been killed in the manner of Epstein because in a conspiracy case of this magnitude, the can of worms Epstein was going to open, that pressure now falls on the other co-defendants, the co-conspirators, and Ghislaine and Jean-Luc are at the top of that conspiracy. So they are a threat to the people who have been filmed in these blackmail operations, the elites, and I imagine that something very bad is going to happen to both of them, um, at the very least uh, long terms of incarceration, long prison sentences. 
Maxwell had a central role. She'd also been referred to as Lady of the House by Epstein's staff and as his aggressive assistant. And in the testimony by Virginia Roberts, Virginia Roberts refers to Jelaine as the Madam of the Operation. That's why in numerous of my YouTube videos I've been referring to Jelaine as Madam Maxwell. She was um, hiring, firing the staff, lady of the house. In 2003, Vanity Fair profile on Epstein, Vicky Ward stated that Epstein referred to Maxwell as my best friend. Ward also observed that Maxwell seemed to organize much of his life. Anywhere else in the world, if someone had such serious charges levied upon them, they would have been SWAT team raided for being part of such a huge criminal conspiracy. But when it comes to people who've got this much wealth and political pull, one law for them and one law for normal people. Hopefully an indictment is going to come down soon and there will be some arrests. So Maxwell attracted press coverage for a friendship with Prince Andrew, Duke of York, second son of Queen Elizabeth II, who attended social functions with her in New York. And it's believed that Jelaine was the door opener for Epstein to have these relationships with the royals. In 2000, Jelaine and Epstein attended a party thrown by Prince Andrew at the Queen's estate in Norfolk for Maxwell's 39th birthday. I also did a video, there was a party in a royal party and not only was Epstein present at this royal party but Harvey Weinstein was present as well and through further research into Jean-Luc Brunel we are learning now about the ties between Jeffrey Epstein and Harvey Weinstein. Different methods of operation but both complete and utter beasts. Epstein had the pyramid scheme, he's got all these group people out grooming the children, procuring the children for him and then orging them with himself and encouraging the elites to get in compromising situations with them. Weinstein was more of a lone wolf character, Weinstein focusing on the starlets. I recommend you watch this documentary Untouchable, it will break your heart when you see and hear the victims. Focusing on the starlets, he'd say, look, I've got a hotel room. They'd get there and they'd think that they'd have their own hotel room and he'd say, yeah, I'm, I'm sharing the hotel room with you. Just come up, we'll have a business chat. And once they got him in the hotel room, he would uh, get naked or just try and grab them or just be really forceful with them. And some of them would run out. One had night blindness. She ran right down the fire escape, even though she couldn't see anything. She was so terrified. When she got to the bottom, the staff said, have you come from the fourth floor? Because he had a pattern of doing that. Some of them just froze. One of the poor victims said, look, in movies you see rape victims and there's kicking and screaming, but I just froze. And next, next thing, you know, he's, he's got my knickers down. He's performing oral sex on me and he's inside me. And I, you know, I just felt so ashamed. A lot of the victims felt that they played a role in it and they felt so ashamed. That's why they never said anything for years until multiple victims came out on the Weinstein case. So back to Maxwell. She has been photographed with Bill Clinton, Donald Trump, Alan Dershowitz. And watching the Weinstein doc as well, he was filmed, uh, photographed with Bill Clinton, Hillary Clinton. It's all just one big dirty circle. In 1995, Epstein renamed one of his companies 
the Jelaine Corporation. In Palm Beach, Florida, the company was later dissolved. So, getting up to more recent events in the Epstein case with people who are unfamiliar. Epstein, in the first round of indictments, he got this sweetheart deal. In 2008, he was convicted of soliciting a minor for prostitution and serving 13 months in an eight, and an, he got, um, of an 18-month jail sentence. Now, by criminalizing the victims as prostitutes, their testimonies couldn't be used in court. Jelaine, in this case, actually got, she was included in the plea bargain that the co-conspirators could not be criminally prosecuted. So they all got a pass. Not only did Epstein get a pass in this sweetheart deal, all of the co-conspirators got a pass as well. And he was basically, during that incarceration, he was out on work leave. And even during his most recent incarceration, before his, he got suicided, he was spending most of the day in legal visits with his team. And he was telling his team he had all these numerous strategies that he was looking forward to getting released again. So he was completely confident of getting out. There was no way he was in a mindset of he, he was going to kill himself. He was telling his legal team there was a double jeopardy strategy. He'd already been uh, indicted on these crimes. They couldn't, can't charge him twice on the same kind of crimes. So it seems that through his confidence, it's highly unlikely that he was going to commit suicide. Following his release from jail, you think that some of these elites would have disassociated with him at this point, but Andrew, Prince Andrew, went back out there against the wishes of the royal family, and it's the fact that he went out after it was clearly known that this guy was a paedophile, sex trafficking, child molester, that the royals, you know, have got this scandal of the century right now blowing up worldwide, because Prince Andrew went out there, backed Epstein up, there's a video that's been put online of Prince Andrew peeping out of Epstein's property in New York. A girl is leaving the property. Epstein's on the street. He's got his car. He's got another girl in the car. So saying that he didn't know what was going on, Prince Andrew, is complete and utter BS. So after the um, first incarceration, Ghislaine continued to attend prominent social functions. Even though uh, she, but she and Epstein were no longer seen together publicly. By late 2015, Ghislaine had largely retreated from attending the social functions. So the next section is the civil cases and accusations. So the, the civil lawsuit made public in January 2015 contained a deposition from a woman identified as Jane Doe Three that accused Ghislaine of having recruited her in 1999 when she was a minor to have sex with Epstein. A 2008 expose by Julie K. Brown in the Miami Herald revealed that the victim, Jane Doe 3, was Virginia Roberts. And I've done numerous videos on the actual statements from Virginia Roberts detailing the orgies with Epstein, Prince Andrew, Dershowitz, the trafficking of Jean-Luc Brunel. So if you're interested in those videos, in the description box below this video is a playlist to all of my Epstein videos and you will find links right there to all of those other videos if you want to hear exactly what Virginia Roberts said. So continuing with the um, allegations then, Virginia 
met Ghislaine at Trump's Mar-a-Lago Club in Palm Beach, Florida, were, Virginia was working at the time, she says that Ghislaine introduced her to Epstein, after which she was groomed by the two of them for his pleasure, including giving her lessons in Epstein's preferences during oral sex. So one of the allegations from the statements of Virginia Roberts is that the children that were trafficked were groomed in the art of fulfilling all of the sexual needs of the various powerful people, I should say powerful paedophiles, who came within Epstein's criminal organization. So Maxwell Ghislaine repeatedly denied any involvement in Epstein's crime. Deny, deny, deny. That is the standard uh, strategy of everybody involved in this case. I said at the beginning, whoever denies the most has got the most guilt. We saw Bill Clinton come out right away, say he only flew four times, when he actually flew almost 30 times with Epstein. Uh, you saw Dershowitz, he's on the news constantly, deny, deny, deny. You know, these are the guys we need to be looking at the most about their involvement. In 2015, statement, Ghislaine rejected allegations that she had acted as a procurer for Epstein and denied that she had facilitated Prince Andrew's acts of sexual abuse. Her spokesperson said that the allegations made against Ghislaine are untrue and that she strongly denies allegations of an unsavory nature which have appeared in the British press and elsewhere and reserves the right to seek redress at the repetition of such old defamatory claims. So she's falling back on the out now that this case was closed at the first round of indictments, the plea bargain, the sweetheart deal, but no, those victims came forward, the journalist we mentioned, the very brave journalist for the Miami Herald, I believe it was, how a lot of this came about. She was interviewing prisoners in Florida and she started to notice amongst these female prisoners a common theme that they'd been trafficked and that they'd been involved somehow in Epstein's operation. And the fact that all these victims were in prison was a light bulb moment for her. So she decided to investigate this much further. So props to the Miami Herald for really, you know, putting the pressure on and getting all of this exposed. So, Virginia Roberts sued Maxwell in federal court in the Southern District of New York in 2015. And it's the statements that I've been getting from that court case that I've been putting online. So we've got specifically Virginia Roberts' words about the If you're interested in the Epstein case, I take a much deeper dive in my books, which are available worldwide on Amazon. We've got Who Killed Epstein, Prince Andrew or Bill Clinton. Virginia Guffrey alleged that Epstein ordered her to have sex with Prince Andrew three times including an orgy on the Pedo Island, which included underage European girls. On the Lolita Express, Bill Clinton was photographed with Epstein's sex slaves. After Epstein was suicided, both men denied any knowledge of his crimes. This book examines the roles of Epstein and his accomplices in the Honey Trap operation and the likelihood of a royal prince or an ex-president being co-conspirators in his assassination. That's who killed Epstein. Then I've got Elite Predators. From Jimmy Savile and Lord Mountbatten to Jeffrey Epstein and Ghislaine Maxwell. 
2022, Galen Maxwell was sentenced to 20 years in prison after she had procured teenage girls for Epstein and his predator pals. The connections included the most powerful people in the world, ranging from royal family members such as Prince Andrew to former presidents, including Bill Clinton. While the mainstream media protects the innermost circles of the establishment, this book reveals the harrowing truth of elite child molesters and the calculated methods they employ to conceal the horrific activities, which often span decades. And then more recently, I've released Untouchable Jimmy Savile. Savile was a practicing Catholic who raped young boys and girls and had sex with corpses. He was a God-fearing believer who participated in satanic rituals. He was an unprecedentedly generous charity fundraiser who was too tight to buy his own meals. He was a friend of princes and dukes who ate bacon sandwiches at his local Greasy Spoon. He was a peace activist who tied up troublemakers in his nightclubs and had them brutally beaten. He was a furry godfather who hated children. Untouchable Jimmy Savile demolishes the mainstream media narratives portrayed in Netflix's and the BBC's documentary. And we show that Savile's behavior was enabled by the most powerful members of the establishment for whom he was a fixer and a procurer. So these three books are available worldwide on Amazon, paperback, ebook, audiobook. They've got hundreds of five star reviews. Check them out. The child trafficking. She asserted that Ghislaine and Epstein had trafficked her and other underage girls, often at sex parties hosted by Epstein at his homes in New York, New Mexico, Palm Beach, and the US Virgin Islands. Ghislaine called her a liar. Virginia then sued Ghislaine for defamation. While details of the settlement have not been made public, in May 27, the case was settled in the favour of victim Virginia Roberts, with Maxwell paying her millions. She's got the way of this black cab, an old English black cab going by. One of the strategies that these elite deviants use when they know they're going to get caught in the act they find out that the victims when they go to the lawyers they offer them non-disclosure agreements so if you have been raped for example by bill clinton and you get a lawyer and your lawyer then goes to bill clinton's lawyers and bill clinton says hey i'm going to pay you so many millions i just don't want you to ever say anything to anyone in the world about this case, otherwise you'll be in violation of this non-disclosure agreement. Harvey Weinstein, in the documentary Untouchable, his early victims, before it got more heavy for him and he ended up getting indicted properly, his early victims he paid off, non-disclosure agreements, huge settlements. The, the question is, when these settlements are being made over and over again, you think that Weinstein would have learned his lesson and stopped this abhorrent behavior, but no. Weinstein's attitude was, I can just pay these people off and just keep raping more women. So again, we're seeing this pattern with Epstein, these non-disclosure agreements. So according to the New York Times, by 2016, Ghislaine was no longer being photographed at events. In April 2016, the New York townhouse where she had lived was sold for $15 million. By 2017, her lawyers claimed before a judge that they did not hold her address. They further said that she was in London. 
right here, right behind me now. Here we go, the London, the London residents. We have confirmed today the white banister that is such a uh, amazing thing that the door was open to us. We thought that no way was the door going to be open today. And we have confirmed the white banister. We're going to have to do a single clip on the white banister saying white banister confirmed. Um, filmed today here in London, the, the very banister that Prince Andrew was stubbed behind. So, in April 2016, townhouse sold for 15 million, moved to London. They did not believe that she had a permanent residence. Now, I've got the unredacted black book, props to the person that who sent me that, and in the unredacted black book, there are multiple Maxwell names and addresses and phone numbers in London. There are numerous siblings in the Maxwell clan, and at the end of this video, on a separate video, we will do, we will run down um, the entire Maxwell clan and give you their histories and where they are. Um, there's been tragedy and fortune amongst them all, which is no surprise. So, in another case, this is Sarah Ransom versus Epstein and Maxwell. In, in 2017, Sarah Ransom filed a suit against Epstein and Maxwell, alleging that Maxwell hired her to give massages to Epstein and later threatened to physically harm her or destroy her career prospects if she did not comply with the sexual demands at his mansion in New York and on his private Caribbean island, Little St. James. The suit was settled in 2018 under undisclosed terms. This year, April 16th, a new accuser came forward, Maria Farmer, went public and filed a sworn affidavit in federal court in New York, alleging that she and her 15-year-old sister had been assaulted by Epstein and Ghislaine in separate locations in 1996. According to the affidavit, Maria had met Ghislaine and Epstein at a New York art gallery in 1995. The affidavit says that in the summer of the following year, they hired her to work on an art project in billionaire businessman Leslie Wexner's Ohio mansion, where she was then sexually assaulted. So Leslie Wexner, um, big owner of Victoria's Secrets, wealth of Wexner, a multiple of the wealth of Epstein, and we believe the money laundering part of the criminal enterprise, Wexner was a major player in that, and Epstein was a much smaller player, the kind of player that Wexner and other bigger players could have snuffed out so he wouldn't open that legal can of worms for the rest of them. But that pressure now is on Ghislaine and also on Jean-Luc Brunel. Thank you. Stopping the traffic here today. So her affidavit also stated that during the same summer Epstein flew her then 15 year old sister to his New Mexico property where he and Ghislaine molested her on a massage table. Going over now to the next lawsuit, we've got Priscilla Doe versus the estate of Epstein 2019. 
So Ghislaine also named in one of these lawsuits filed in New York on 20th of August 2019. So this is just a couple of weeks ago. The woman filing the suit, Priscilla Doe, claimed that she was recruited in 2006 and trained by Ghislaine with step-by-step -step instructions on how to provide sexual services for Jeffrey Epstein. So there is a treasure trove of court documents that has yet to be released and there is a legal wrangle going on right now in the US court system. Apparently in this treasure trove of documents there are hundreds if not thousands more names of elites, business owners, politicians that could be entangled in this web if the judge makes a decision to release all this documentation. So we're hoping that that will proceed. A first batch of documents were unsealed and released from the earlier defamation suits by Virginia Roberts against Ghislaine. And again, I've done a video on that. If you go in the description box below this video, you'll see the playlist link, the Epstein playlist link to all of the other Epstein videos. I've been reporting on this before the murder-suicide um, a week or so before the murder-suicide, I said that it would happen and predicted that it would be made to look like a suicide in the prison. In terms of Ghislaine and her personal life, this is the next section we're moving into now. So Newsweek has stated that Ghislaine had Robert Maxwell's charisma. And watching her do her TED Talk, it's taken off the official TED website, but you can still find it on YouTube if you put in Ghislaine Maxwell's TED Talks. It had 500 dislikes when I looked at it this morning, tens of thousands of views. You can see that she is a witty and a charismatic and articulate speaker. Definitely does have that charisma. Since at least 1997, she had maintained a residence in Belgravia, London. And this is the residence that we are filming outside of presently. There are other residences in the area that family members are located at according to the Little Black Book and if we've got time maybe we will try and go to some of those residences, give a knock and see if anyone will come and answer. So in 2000 Maxwell moved into a 7,000 square foot townhouse on East 65th Street less than 10 blocks away from Epstein's New York mansion. And you'll see that the money to pay for this came from Jeffrey Epstein. The house was purchased for $4.95 million by an anonymous limited liability company with an address that matches the offices of Jeffrey Epstein and company. Representing the buyer was Darren Indyke, Epstein's longtime lawyer. Following her personal and professional involvement with Epstein, Ghislaine was romantically linked for several years to Ted Waite, founder of Gateway Computers. She attended Chelsea Clinton's wedding in 2011 at Waite's, as Waite's guest. And I've said from the very beginning, my first video on this I think was, Will Bill Clinton have Jeffrey Epstein suicided in prison to avoid Lolita scandal? Over and over again we see an enmeshment with the Clinton family. 
Ghislaine helped Waite obtain and renovate a luxury yacht, the Plan B, and used it for travel to France and Croatia before their relationship ended sometime around late 2010 or early 2011. In August 2019, reports surfaced that Ghislaine had been seen living in Manchester-by-the-Sea, Massachusetts, in the home of Scott Borgerson. I saw some footage with Scott. He was mobbed by the media, and he was saying that she was no, there was no way that Ghislaine was in the property, and he was leaving the property, and he wanted everybody to leave him alone. Maxwell and Borgerson were described as having been in a romantic relationship for several years. Locals in the town of Manchester-by-the-Sea stated that Ghislaine had kept a low profile, went by the name G instead of her first full name, and had been seen on several occasions walking a Vizsla dog along the beach. A neighbouring property manager relayed that Maxwell and Borgerson were a couple and had been seen repeatedly running together in the mornings, jogging. Borgeson stated in August 2009 that Maxwell currently did not live in that home and he did not know where she was. So, Maxwell Ghislaine was involved in the Terramar project. In 2012, she founded the Terramar project, a non-profit organization that advocated the protection of the oceans. Like I said earlier, she did this deep sea diving, found a coat hanger, and she's claiming that inspired her to want to protect the seas and the oceans. She gave this lecture for Terramar at the University of Texas at Dallas. The TED Talk was in 2014 in Charlottesville. Ghislaine accompanied Stuart Beck, a 2013 Terramar board member, to two United Nations meetings to discuss the project. But on 12th of July 2019, the Terramar project announced closure less than a week after charges of sex trafficking were brought by New York federal prosecutors against Epstein became public. An associated UK-based company, Terramar UK, continues to exist with Maxwell as a director. So Epstein researchers out there, if this company still exists, Terramar UK, that may be an avenue to look into. So what we're going to do next is we're going to move over to the family relationships. Sean Atwood, London-based activist here outside the property of Ghislaine Maxwell in London. The next section of this video is about the lives of the Maxwell family. What's happened with them over time, really dramatic stuff. If you've missed any of the other sections of the Epstein Ghislaine Maxwell videos, there is a playlist below this video and you can click on all of the other videos and watch them from there in the description box. So, I grew up with Robert Maxwell. He was major headline news in this country. All of a sudden, he dies at sea. There's this mystery. You've got sudden death. You've got huge fortunes being made and lost and a shattering legacy for the children that he left. 
Robert Maxwell himself rose from poverty in Czechoslovakia to become a multi-millionaire. His luxury life was funded, however, by £460 million that he looted from the pension of the Mirror Group. Tens of thousands of workers got their pensions stolen from them. Tragedy hit Ghislaine's oldest brother, Michael, Robert and Betty Maxwell's firstborn fell into a coma aged 15 after a car crash in 1961 and died eight years later, never having regained his consciousness. That's really sad. The next one was a brilliant scientist who fled to Argentina. This is Philip Maxwell, who's presently 70. He's the second eldest sibling. Philip fled to Argentina to get as far away from his father as possible. What does that tell you about the family? Poor Philip, as his friends always knew him, was a brilliant scientist and mathematician who won a scholarship to Balliol College, Oxford, aged just 16. But he so loathed his domineering father that, as soon as he could... Philip fled to Argentina to get as far away from him as possible. The pair fell out irretrievably when he married Nilda, an Argentine, in 1977 against the wishes of his dad. The marriage didn't last long. Nilda moved out taking their daughter Marcella with her and the second marriage also failed. Philip was last heard of living in a £65 a week flat in North London, trying to be a writer. The subject? His bullying father. We're going to look, go down the black book and see if we can locate Philip. Perhaps we can get Philip um, on camera doing an interview if he's doing this expose on his bullying father. The next sibling was Anne Maxwell, who's presently 69, Ghislaine's eldest sister. When her fledgling acting career floundered, her father's reaction was, what have you and Pope John Paul II got in common? You're both ugly and you're both failed actors. This is the kind of father that they had. Terrible. Having studied Italian and French at Oxford, Anne trained as a teacher, married an osteopath, and is now believed to be a hypnotherapist in Surrey, practicing under another name. So I live in Surrey. Maybe I can do some further research and locate Anne Maxwell and get her input on the situation. She has kept out of the limelight since her father's death at the age of 68. Like I said earlier, he was found floating in the Atlantic Ocean off the Canary Isles after he went missing in 1991 off his private yacht, named Lady Ghislaine, after Ghislaine Maxwell. Financially, some of the daughters did extremely well. One became a dot-com tycoon, Christine, 68, who was one of two twins. Christine and her twin sister Isabel made the Sunday Times rich list in 1999 after amassing the 100 million in the dot-com boom. She is the author of the Dictionary of Perfect Spelling, a book with 20,000 words. 
aimed at secondary school pupils and is married to Roger Molina, an astrophysicist at a French university. They have two sons and a daughter and split their time between a Spanish-style mansion overlooking San Francisco and the south of France. In a rare interview in 1998 about her then role on the Internet Society Board of Trustees, which works for an open, globally connected, secure and trustworthy internet for everyone, she spoke of the years spent in her father's publishing business. Both of my parents had a strong work ethic, which they instilled in me and my brothers and sisters when we were very young. They also communicated a very clear understanding that advantages always come with responsibilities, that there was no such thing as a free ride. So again, you see this pressure to be a perfectionist and a workaholic on the kids, and it creating this dysfunction. Such a dysfunction in Ghislaine, that although she pursued philanthropic activity and purported to want to save the sea and the oceans, she ended up doing this horrific child sex trafficking with Jeffrey Epstein and Jean-Luc Brunel as the chief co-conspirators. Another sibling was described as a fireball and she lost 50 million in the dot-com bubble and wed an illusionist. So Isabel and her sister made all this money in the late 1990s when all of the internet stocks were going crazy. That's when I made a little bit as well. Once described in the Jerusalem Post as a fireball who is always in your face, Isabel was always the Maxwell to watch. She never wanted to join the family firm, so after graduating from Oxford with a degree in modern languages, we're seeing a theme here that all of the Maxwell kids, most of them, went to Oxford for their education. She actually, she also did a master's in Edinburgh. She became a TV reporter. In 1981, she moved to California to work in TV before making a film starring rock singer Neil Young. It wasn't E.T., she said, more about a labour of love. But technology was her future. She and Christine, the twins, co-founded one of the earliest internet search engines known as Magellan in 1992. In 1996, they sold it for shares in a rival company, Excite, which rocketed in value giving the sisters a joint hundred million pound fortune before dipping again. But despite being worth an estimated 50 million in the late in the 1990s, she was declared bankrupt by 2015. Again, these dramatic ups and downs. She was married twice. Her first husband was US filmmaker Dale Jurassi, with whom she has a son. And then she wed Magellan co-founder David Hayden. Her third husband, illusionist Al Seckel, was once a significant player in the Californian literary, academic and celebrity scene. He was famous for holding parties for the great and good. Jeffrey Epstein was a friend. In 2009, the two men organised a science conference called Mindshift on Epstein's private island, 
little St. James, and we know what else was going on on that island, the appalling child sex trafficking and orging, with Ghislaine not only procuring these girls, but participating in the acts, according to statements filed in court by Virginia Roberts. Isabel and Seckel married in Malibu in 2017, but their union was never legal as he had forgotten to file the papers to annul the second of three previous marriages to Denise Lewis, a former model, who appeared in music videos for Brian Ferry, Elton John, Cliff Richard, and she became an artist specialising in memorial paintings in which the ashes of the deceased are mixed with the pigment. Similarly, Seckel had forgotten to repay countless debts over the years that resulted in endless legal proceedings. So bankruptcy, a tool um, used by these people. One lawsuit brought by Ensign Consulting Limited, a firm based in the Virgin Islands in the Caribbean, accused both him and Isabel of perpetrating a fraud involving the purchase of antique rare books and the portrait of Sir Isaac Newton painted in 1689. Here we go now with the tragedy. In 2015, Seckel was found dead below a cliff near their home in France, in France's Lot Valley. Isabel still lives in the south of France. Oh, another sad one, we had the loss of Karine, the middle sister, who died of leukemia aged just three in 1957. Ian, 62 years old, the fall guy brother, whose wife sobbed as he was arrested. So Ian's wife, American former college basketball star Laura Plum, was photographed sobbing while he was arrested. He was taunted mercilessly at home by his father, who ridiculed him in front of his friends who were visiting the home. This is Robert Maxwell now brutalising his son. When he joined the family business, Ian was compared unfavourably to his younger brother, Kevin. In the aftermath of their father's death, Ian, then 35, and Kevin, 32, assumed control of the company and stood trial for their part in their father's 460 million pension fraud, which he talked about in other parts of this video. They were acquitted, but the Maxwell name was tainted for years. Business opportunities were limited to overseas ventures. Ian's first wife was the college basketball star and model, Laura Marie Plum. They met when she moved to London to help set up a TV cable company. They married in 1991, which was the year Robert Maxwell was found floating out at the sea, his corpse. The media attention put her under such pressure. On the day that Ian and Kevin were arrested, she was photographed sobbing. The couple subsequently divorced in 1996. Next, Ian married Tara Dudley-Smith, the daughter of a jockey club steward and ex-army officer, but their relationship also ended. He found happiness with Cecilia French, 58, director of public protection at the home office. No irony there. After pursuing business opportunities in property, energy and telecoms, mostly outside of the UK, Ian and Kevin said they felt the urge to do something for the greater good. 
Three years ago, in the middle of the Greek financial crisis, they launched an organization similar to the Prince's Trust in Greece, which has raised millions of euros and helped to launch several hundred businesses. So good to see that among the Maxwell clan, there are some good eggs doing some genuine charity work. Kevin, 60, became biggest ever bankrupt case in, here in the UK. The cleverest son and the driving force of the family. He was deeply saddened by his father's death, saying that he missed his presence and his ability to dominate. He was totally awestruck by his dad, Robert Maxwell. But he was arrested and charged with fraud in 1992 after hundreds of millions disappeared from the pension fund. The only Maxwell sibling ever to express remorse in public for the fallout from Robert Maxwell's crimes. Kevin is quoted as saying, the moral burden I will bear for the rest of my life. His first wife, Pandora Warnford Davis, called her father-in-law Robert the fat fraudster. In June 1992, Kevin was arrested and charged with fraud after the hundreds of millions disappeared. His wife appeared at the window of their home at dawn and shouted, piss off or I'll call the police, unaware that the early morning callers were the cops. In 2007, they divorced after 23 years and seven children together. Pandora was last heard of living in Oxford, renting out a room through Airbnb. Soon after his arrest, Kevin became Britain's biggest ever bankrupt when a 407 million bankruptcy order was made against him. Have we got something coming to the property? The bankruptcy was discharged in 1995 following the mandatory three years and after an Old Bailey trial that cost taxpayers 12 million in legal aid, he was acquitted of fraud later that year. Even though a subsequent Whitehall report concluded he bore a heavy responsibility of what had happened. In 1998, Kevin went on to co-found the media company Telemond, a US-based commercial vehicle for what he hoped would be the Maxwell comeback story. It was not to be. When Telemond floated in 1999, Kevin looked on course to becoming a multi-millionaire. On paper, he owned 7% of the company worth £16 million, pounds, almost $20 million. But by 2001, the company had debts of more than £100 million and failed. He then moved on to high-end commercial property. His venture came tumbling down in 2011 when he was disqualified for being a director for eight years. The same year, Vincent and Robert Chengitz, two tycoons he shared an office with, were arrested by the Serious Fraud Squad. He's working again with Ian in the Greek charitable venture. Robert Maxwell once said, The thing I'd most like to see invented is a way of teaching children and grown-ups the difference between right and wrong. If you think anything is unusual about that quote, please put it in the comments box below this video. 
This is Sean Atwood, London activist outside of Ghislaine Maxwell's house here in London. Appreciate you subscribing to the channel. In the bottom left hand corner of this video there is an icon. Subscribe. It doesn't cost anything to subscribe. Appreciate all the love and support from all the followers that we've been having on these Epstein videos. In the description box below this video, there's a link to the Epstein playlist of all the other Epstein videos that I've done. There's links to my popular true crime podcast. Every week I interview someone with a hard-hitting true crime story for two hours. I've done over 40 interviews now of the true crime podcast. There are also hundreds of prison questions answered on my channel on the prison questions playlist. My socials are in the description box and also the donation pages. Trying to bring you high quality produced videos and all these Epstein videos are demonetized right away pretty much by YouTube. But we have managed to sneak a few through. So thank you again for all of your support out there. Cheers from London. From outside, Ghislaine Maxwell's house, 44 Kennington Street. Take care. Hello. Sean Atwood, London-based activist and author on 44 Kennington Street, right outside of Ghislaine Maxwell's property. The property that it was speculated about, Prince Andrew being in the, the white banister being behind him. And today we have confirmed that the door was opened and we filmed the white banister. In the black book, we have the unredacted copy. We've got all of the names, addresses, phone numbers of the people. And below Ghislaine Maxwell's entry is an entry for the pub opposite the property, which is the Nags Head, which is the pub that I am outside of now. There are numbers and names, and I have spoke to the proprietor of the Nags Head today. And understandably, many of the local people don't want to be interviewed uh, because of the uh, claims and Epstein's notoriety presently worldwide. But they have told me that there has not been much media at the property here unexpectedly and perhaps that is part of the cover-up of the whole thing nobody has come down here and confirmed that the white banister was indeed in this house 44 Kennington it could have just easily been done like that and we've come out down here today and have indeed confirmed that the white banister was in there the cleaning lady she opened the door for us she spoke to us briefly and we will be posting that onto YouTube as a clip. So we're hoping you are enjoying these Epstein videos. If you want more, click in the description box below the video. And you will find links to the entire Epstein playlist and all the other stuff that I'm doing on YouTube. Thank you. We have changed location in our video series in search of Madam Maxwell. We are on Condi Street, outside of the Condi Street Flats in Jeffrey Epstein's little black book unredacted which I have in front of me is an entry for E. Maxwell 11 Lockmore House Condy Street London SW1W9JX so there are numerous numbers under E. Maxwell some of which are in France so we believe this is the property that Robert Maxwell's now deceased widow, Elizabeth, E for Elizabeth, nicknamed Betty, we believe that this is the property right behind me, Lockmore House, 
that the Maxwell family did own and possibly do presently own if it was inherited by one of the children. Just to give a little bit of background on Betty, who died at the age of 92 in France. It was Ghislaine who confirmed her death to the media. So she was married to Robert Maxwell for 46 years until he died. His body was found in 1991 off the Canary Islands, Robert Maxwell, after the looting of the pension scheme at the Mirror Group, half a billion dollars he looted. His body was found floating in the Atlantic. Betty was fiercely loyal to Robert despite his offhand treatment towards her. As her 1994 autobiography, A Mind of My Own, My Life with Robert Maxwell, made quite clear. Born in France in 1921, she studied law at Sorbonne and later took a modern languages degree at Oxford before gaining a doctorate in philosophy. So with the numerous children of the Maxwell clan, we've detailed all of the life histories in this video series. And you will see that many of the nine children went on to study at Oxford University. She'd met Robert in Paris towards the end of the Second World War and they were married in 1945. Sadly, two of the children died young. If you're interested in all the details of the kids, we have a Epstein playlist and the description box below this video. Just, just click over there. So Betty was not Jewish, as Robert was, but she dedicated her life to researching the Holocaust, during which most of Robert Maxwell's immediate family were slaughtered. He referred to his wife as the keeper of my Jewish soul. Robert was given the equivalent of a state funeral in Israel and buried on the Mount of Olives in Jerusalem. Betty edited two books on Holocaust Memorial and was an honorary fellow of the Wolf Institute in Cambridge, which promotes the study of relations between Jews, Christians and Muslims. Betty's family issued a statement which was carried in the Jewish Chronicle which said her devoting the rest of her life to work on the Holocaust and to Judeo-Christian dialogue arose out of her a profound need as a Christian to comprehend how such an event as the Holocaust could have happened in Christian Europe in the middle of the 20th century and then to ensure through dissemination of the facts and teaching that it could never happen again. She was survived by seven children and 13 grandchildren. So, looks like there was a good apple in the Maxwell clan. Sounds like that she really was doing all of that research for a genuine cause and balance that against the tyranny of her husband, Robert Maxwell. It must have been really difficult for her. And it seems that his tyranny over the kids was what caused such a dysfunction in some of them. 
maybe partially responsible a contribution factor that many of them derailed and Jelaine derailed to the extent where she was involved in this heinous child trafficking and according to Virginia Roberts statements was actually involved in the raping of these kids with, at orgies with Prince Andrew, lawyer Dershowitz and other elite figures. So if you enjoyed this video series please subscribe to the channel subscription icon is in the bottom left hand corner of this video appreciate all of your likes and comments and also if you want to follow my socials they're in the description box and all of the donation pages as these Epstein videos are demonetized immediately by YouTube I've only had a few manage to slip through the cracks appreciate all of your love and support cheers from London I hope you're enjoying the podcast I've got some exciting news to announce Michael Francis is coming back to tour the UK in 2024. The remade Mantor, the Michael Francis story. Michael Francis, once named one of the 50 most significant mob bosses in the USA by Fortune magazine, and a former member of the notorious Colombo crime family, will take you deep into the world of organized crime, sharing captivating tales and insights into the Mafia's past, present, and future. Join us for an unforgettable evening with Michael Francis, the original Goodfella, as he exclusively sits down with myself, Sean Atwood. With me as the host, there's going to be a no-holes-barred exploration of Michael Francis's life, including his numerous arrests and jury trials that ultimately led to his pleading guilty to a federal racketeering charge, a 10-year prison sentence, and $15 million in restitution. You will have the unique opportunity to ask questions during an audience Q&A session, making this event a must-see for true crime enthusiasts and anyone curious about the underworld. Don't miss this explosive in-conversation with Michael Francis. Live on stage in the UK, this exclusive in-person event will be held in various locations in the UK, Ireland and Scotland. Link in the description box below this video if you want to grab yourself a ticket. Back to the podcast. Cheers.